Hey everybody, it's Richard Harris, Scott Lease with another episode of the Surf and Sales Podcast. Um, it's brought to you by our sponsors of Salesforce Revenue Cloud, Lead411 and Gong.io. Please show them some love because they always show us some love and support what we're doing, which hopefully supports all of what you're doing. Uh, super excited uh, to have, and I hope I get it right, uh, Nick Capozzi. Is it Capozzi? Capozzi? What's that? Capozzi. Capozzi. You had it right. You're the one guy. So, all right. Know, you're, you're like Ray Liotta. You're like Ray Liotta. Um, you'll never get made, but like you just you just got a lot closer. That's, a, that's right. Well, I'm, I'm Jew- <laughs> not only that, I'm Jewish. So there's definitely no way I'm ever getting made. Right. So, <laughs> although, uh, although Nick, I'm more ish than Jew, just so you know. So, um, but so Nick, you, we were talking offline for a second. You, you've uh, recently taken a new role, so I didn't really sort of write down what it is, but I'd love for you to give people some perspective of uh, what you've been doing uh, and then what you're, what you're currently moving into as, as this is uh, about to happen for you. Yeah, happy to. So I had a really unique kind of background real quick. I was in radio and TV for about five years in Canada, led to can you do that on a stage, which led to 20 years in the cruise business. I was a live pitch guy in the cruise business, total B, as B2C as it gets. We were we were hawking all the duty free stuff, liquor, tobacco, jewelry, Swiss watches. And, um, you know, I, I transitioned a little over a year ago. And didn't really have a North Star or direction of what I was doing. Just sort of pumping out these videos on LinkedIn. And thank goodness, the, the tech sales community kind of adopted me as one of their own. So, you know, what I was talking about resonated with what, you know, some of the, the stuff they were talking about and demos and presentations and all that. And I just uh, set up my own flag, sales pitching. And I was out there, um, you know, doing uh, a lot of stuff with video, you know, through the the sales process and the marketing funnel, but I was just telling you guys offline, the, uh, my very good friend, Christine Rogers of Aspireship introduced me recently to some people here in Phoenix at this really cool startup uh, called Smile Virtual. And I am now on day two and a half as we record this of being the VP of sales here at Smile's Virtu- Smile Virtual in Phoenix, Arizona. So yeah, that's Congra- really cool. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks guys. There's, uh, there's, there's a lot of cool different stories in there, Richard. Go ahead. I know. I was going to say, so what even prompt, I mean, I guess like the pitch, like what's the pitch guy on a cruise ship? Like, <laughs> so I've <laughs> never gone on a cruise. Um, like, what does that mean? Uh, then I'm curious is like. Also, which one of also, which one of us, me or Richard would be better pitching watches and booze on the cruise ship based oh, on what you know? I know the answer to that. I know the answer too. I'm just curious if Nick is going to get it right. Well, it would be Scott, no question. Yes, 100%. Really? Yeah. I totally disagree. I totally what? disagree. Okay. Tell I me why, Scott. Sure Tell me right. why. Tell me why. I'm actually not as uh, like I'm kind of shy, man. You know, you put put me on this cruise ship. I don't. I don't see myself just hammering people to, to, to buy shit on the ship. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't but see that's, but I'm, Scott, more, I'm more reserved. Richard's more chatty. Richard likes people more than I do. This is true. I do like people. So God, listen, that, um, that, that's fair. That's fair. But, you know, from the perspective, the, the reason for that, and Richard, this is the first time we've had the pleasure. So it's so nice to meet you. Like um, but Scott, it's that, you know, I, I've been in so many Tequila Tuesdays and Thursday Night Sales yes. that I see how you present 
And that's what I would need. So I, I've actually trained about 800 people to do this job. And Richard, I'll drill down on exactly what it was to paint a picture for you. And most of them were non-American. So, you know, I live in the U.S. I'm a proud American, but I grew up in Canada. There was almost no Canadians or Americans working on cruise ships. My people were South African and Serbian and Colombian. And I, what I needed was raw clay of personality. I needed people who could build engagement. That's what I needed to put them on stage. I said, I'll teach you how to sell. That's the easy part. But what I need is, can you get up in front of 500 people at a time and pitch 60 products in 60 minutes? And that's what I did. I've got 20,000 hours of pitching to 500 people at a time. So here's the job, Richard. So you're getting on a cruise ship and it's exciting. The ship is stunning. Like the hardware just blows your mind, right? That's the first thing. But I'm one of 12 or 13 revenue departments. So you're not thinking duty-free when you get on a cruise ship. You're thinking the spa or casino. That's where you want to put your money, right? Right. But not only that, Richard, you're coming from upstate New York or from Michigan or from basically anywhere in January. Forget all that. I'm competing against the sun. So I had 18 (laughs) hours from the minute you got up the gangway, 18 hours to convince you to come to my presentation and build up that audience of, I was a BDR, essentially. I had to get 500 people booked into my meeting, right? And then what would happen is, is the dark theater at noon on a sea day at lunchtime, and now I got you in a dark theater, and I got to keep you there, bum in seat, no chance you getting up through the entire process. And basically, I pitched 60 products in 60 minutes, and I'd always start with something really light, right? Like, Richard, do you like coffee? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. Well, let me ask you this, Richard. Do you love anyone who loves coffee? Yeah, I know a couple of people. A couple of people, right? Well, you're on vacation, Richard, but you got to bring back gifts from this amazing cruise holiday, right? So here's what I'll tell you. We're going to Ocho Rios, Jamaica this week, and you absolutely, without question, have to get a bag of Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee. And here's the reason. So that's what I do. I get them excited about the local product, inexpensive yeah. product, and then kind of work their way up. So and Scott, real- just so you know, Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee is one of the most expensive in the world. I, had, I definitely never would have known that. Yeah, no, I only I- know that because my dad owned a coffee shop when I was a kid. And I kept teasing him that I could have been the son of Starbucks if he'd actually made it a real business. It's, so it was a hobby. That's a really good point. So. But, but Richard, let me tell you why it's the most expensive. It's because it's a unique mineral content at 5,000 feet in the Jamaican Blue Mountain. Co- in I know all Blue this. Mountains. I had to sell it. Okay, but hold on, hold on. You know why it's so expensive? Because 85% of the harvest every year is pre-sold to the Japanese market. So this week on the pier in Ocho Rios, Jamaica, you will get a three pound bag of authentic, genuine Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee for just $30, right? So that's- Dude, you need to be on QVC. Why aren't you on QVC? (laughs) You know what? A lot of people that did this job went to Jewelry TV, went to QVC, went to, you know- um, yeah, this is, this is what we were. What was interesting though, was I was the first person that I believe this is a niche, niche, niche industry. Everyone knew everyone. Um, I was the first one who was like a trained broadcaster to right. come and now do this. So I wasn't a salesperson. The first couple of years in my mind, I was, I was a TV guy just doing it live on stage. And what was interesting was coming from Canada, the sales process or what Canadians, how they expect to be sold was the 180 from Americans. Americans are totally willing to listen to you pitch them. They're like, you got 45 seconds. You better make the most of it. But that's all you got, 45 seconds. I didn't have to build a six-month relationship with someone in Toronto to get them interested in what I was selling. And um, and people don't realize how, how 
big that duty free is huge. The largest retail in the world is duty free in airports, right? The largest retail space in all of the UK is Heathrow and that's all the duty free. So, and it's legit duty free. And let me just uh, real quick on this. If a watch costs a thousand dollars in Boston, it costs a thousand dollars in Austin. It costs a thousand dollars in Los Angeles. That's how they price protect their brand. But what they do in the Caribbean is, or duty-free markets, they'll offer a set duty-free discount ranges usually from five to 35%. And that's a real discount of what you'd pay back home. Plus you don't have the state tax. So that thousand dollar watch now you're buying at the airport or in the Caribbean for let's say $700. It's a real buy. So you've, you've talked a little bit about how you've parlayed all this experience that, that you have and got kind of, you know, supported by um, some of the different sales communities that are out there and everything. And now you're going to be a VP of sales, a first time VP of sales in tech, right? Correct. Yep. What scares you and what excites you about this opportunity right now? What excites me is the ability to scale. I couldn't scale what I was doing right? There was a finite amount of guests I had on a ship. So that ability to scale and really take something and make it really big, as opposed to trying to get 10% growth, 15% growth. That's exciting. What scares me is six months ago, I didn't know what a BDR was. I didn't know what churn was. So it's all these, this new terminology, which I can kind of relate to, you know, my past experience, but also, you know, frankly, what keeps me up at night is I was a B to C guy. And now I'm going B2B, although it's kind of a B2C sale because I'm selling a dentist, right? Who are usually, they've got their practice. They might have some people under them, but. Yeah. It's really well, it's, it's, it's what I would call SMB, you know, and, and, and local, right? So it's like yep. one step up the food chain, maybe from, from B2C in terms of the, the sales cycle, the ease of getting a hold of decision makers and, and price points and, and things like that, right? Absolutely. So, so as somebody who's trying to learn terminology and learn how to scale, like where, where, where do you intend to go to learn this stuff right now? There's a lot, this is super important because there's a lot of people taking on leadership roles and VP roles for the first time over the last, you know, 15, 16 months in a pandemic. You can't go to meetups and all this kind of thing. You have all these virtual ones, like how are you going to learn all this stuff? What are the resources that you intend to take? into well I don't, I don't make this jump if i don't discover thursday night sales and tequila tuesday four or five months ago via christine rogers if that doesn't happen i don't feel qualified to come in and it's just by osmosis at first the first time i sat in on a thursday night sales i'm like what the bleep is this like totally yeah. caught me off guard <laughs> and but but it, but i sensed i could just see the the devotion and affection from the people in the crowd and you know it just sped up my learning curve. So that was the first thing. Second thing is, you know, one of the things that's talked about a lot in, in this industry is mentorship, right? And I've mentored a ton of people over the years. And now I'm starting to figure out, you know, who's the right person that can help me at this particular time and, and how can I get back to it? And then the, you know, I'm going to circle back. The third is, is like still spending a lot of time in these communities. One thing that I've, you know, that when I was sitting here negotiating, I said, I'm part of these different events that happen every week, some are during the workday, and I'm not going to stop going to those. I'm still going to do these things because this is where I now feel I have hundreds of people I can pick up the phone and call and say, yeah. "Hey, when I'm when I'm in a crisis, or you know, what do I do now?" Yeah, because this is not this is not you baking in goof off time into your into your days and, and nights. This is you baking in learning opportunities, advisory 
ship, mentorship, yep. right? Support system, things that are important for all of us. Go ahead, Richard. Yeah, I want to, I got a couple of questions I want to ask. First thing is, um, so you heard about Thursday night sales and your first reaction was, holy, what is this? Like, and the reason I'm asking is, it's not necessarily to promote Thursday night sales, which I'm happy to do for Scott, but, but the growth of community in 2020, right? Yep. Like, cause you probably saw this and I assume you were like, oh, maybe there's some other communities I should pay attention to. What, what is unique about a strong community in your mind? And, and specific, I think you can't, you should talk about Thursday night sales. And then I want to know what your first reaction was when you saw Scott Lease going, is this guy fucking leading me? Like, you know. Oh, we can swear in here? Great. This will make oh, us yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude. oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so first, let me, let me go first to the first point about community. You know, it takes a village to raise a child. I mean, that's an expression we, we grew up with, right? But, but it's, so, it's so true. The more input, you know, I learned, let's take my father. There's so much I learned from my father, but there's so much I learned from my father's business partners and, and my uncles and aunts and, and all those people that were, were woven into that community, which was part of the village that helped raise me. And these communities, at first I latched on out of, frankly, isolation. It was an isolation issue for me and just trying to find peers. But the more I got into it, the more that I realized you just need to be one rung on the ladder above someone to offer help and value to them. And you know, I'm a giver by nature. It's hard for me to take, but it felt that I was able to both give and take out of these communities. And I got so embedded into them that at one, I'm, you know, this is not part of my life, but the first thing I walked into this new job, and I'm very careful to say the first month I'm on a listening tour, I'm agnostic to anything. I don't want confirmation bias. However, how do I take this, these dentists and make a community for them, right? How do I make it that they want to grow their businesses? How do they get better? How do I create a community because of these ones? Um, so that's the, the first part of the question. The second, first time I come into Thursday night sales, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Because you have two huge personalities in Scott and Amy. And when you walk into that, you know, if you, if you don't know them before, you're like, this is heavy in a good way. It was very intense, which was kind of different from other places I'd been, which were which were lighter. But you know, no pressure, no diamonds. I grew up with that expression, and it's so true. There's this intensity to Thursday night sales where I come out of it, and I can write down the five, six, seven things I learned, and the five, six, seven things that I need to now follow up on and dig deeper because these are things that I wouldn't have caught if it wasn't this this environment. And um, but that's how when I when I get people to come to Thursday night sales, that's how I sell it. I'm like, it's not it's not going to be what you expect, and it's going to be you know a lot, but you're going to love it. And now, you know, I don't I can't miss it. Right? It's, it's so funny. You're you're gonna have to go offline with Scott on this, but um, you know, I'm sure Scott's going. Oh, how do you sell Thursday night sales to other people? So, <laughs> no, I actually know because I I've had conversations with not just people like not just Nick, but like. A bunch of other people and how they, you know, tell people I wanna, about it. Yeah, Go ahead. I want to I shift over to video a little bit more because that's I think that's a big piece of what you focused on the last year. If I if I know, you know, talk about video at SMB. Talk about how you see video building your business, or maybe even it's just the the Nick Capozzi LLC brand. Like, share some of insights on that. The brand is called Sales Pitching, salespitching.com, by the way, if you need help with the video. Um, 
So what was interesting about video was, you know, again, I, so as a kid growing up in Montreal, I wanted to be the play-by-play voice for the Montreal Expos. I knew that at eight or nine, everything I did was to get me to broadcast. And what was so cool of when I got into the cruise ships was we had an in-cabin television station, which, which was just for us to talk about all the duty-free. And you haven't cruised, Richard, but you got three TV channels. You got ESPN Deportes in Spanish. It's all soccer, so Scott would like it. You got CNN and you had me, right? So I was using video in 1999 to drive traffic where I wanted it. So when I started, you know, specifically as I got involved in the tech community and I was using video, one thing I think that's really interesting is that um, 3% of people in sales actually use video in some part of the funnel. But most of, if not all, is in prospecting. And, you know, I, I could go through a quick tutorial on, on how to use that and maximize it. But what's interesting is, is that in all the other stages of, of the funnel, there's even better opportunities to use video. And a great example is when I'm working on a proposal. So let's say, Richard, you're my champion at, you know, surf and sales. So when I'm about to put the proposal together, I'll say, hey, Richard, let's have a conversation. I want to make sure I'm hitting all the points correctly. So we talked about this. We talked about this. What's your feedback on that? So two things are happening. One is I'm starting to use Richard's words and the company's words from surf and sale. So now what I'll do is I'll do a 45 to 60 second recap video, just three or four bullet points, just the key points that go with the proposal. And because I'll track the videos using Vidyard or Loom or BombBomb, I've had videos where I only dealt with Richard at search, surf and sales, but that got 40 plus views from individual users. So what happened was essentially I went viral within a company, right? So these stakeholders and influencers who were not part of any other part of my process. Now, when I'm actually landing the plane are getting the messaging that I, I want to make sure is heard. And I'm using surf and sales internal lingo by getting my champion to, to work with me on that. So that's one of the key key areas that, you know, there's just there's just a lost opportunity, um, and the other is, you know, as I'm getting into two and a half days here at Smile Virtual, is I'm starting to work with all these other departments and understanding how in the marketing funnel they're using video, whether it's Facebook ads, whether it's um, Instagram, whether it's uh, webinars, and I think what's interesting when it comes to video in general, or any presentation demo or video, is that we want to make sure we hit everything, right? So this one time I sold Scott on this, so I got to make sure I say that. And this one time I sold Richard on this, so I got to make sure I say that. The more efficient that you get the messaging down. So if you can take paragraphs and get them into a sentence um, and then use that in an effective video, um, your engagement's going to be much higher. And it was interesting because I was talking to someone recently and they said, you know, you use a lot of video and video and video. And I said, let's clarify something. Video is the medium. The actual tool is engagement. Yeah. Right. So whether it's I'm getting someone engaged in a video to go to the next step in the sale or the next step in the marketing pro- funnel, um, that's what you're trying to do. You're just trying to get them down the funnel. And it's a lot easier to do it with engaging personality and, and great words than anything you could script up and type. Yeah. I, it's interesting because I think, and I, if I remember correctly, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he is Canadian, is the guy who said, you know, the message is the medium, right? Um, and right that is, you, know that. You, you don't know that? Oh, yeah. So it's called the message is the medium, meaning to your point that it's less about video. It's like, how do I get this from a paragraph to one sentence, right? That the message is the key piece, right? And then then you can build the rest around it, so to speak. So 
you know, that. But what's interesting about that is when I started putting videos out on LinkedIn in mid-October, I didn't have, there was no plan, right? right? And someone was in my ear and they kept saying, um, listen what the market wants, listen what the market wants, listen about what the market wants. And I thought they would want video and they did, but that's not what they really wanted. What they started coming to me for was, can you sit in on our demos? Can you help us with the messaging? Right. So again, it really came down to the core feature, which was the engagement, which was frankly at 44 years old, a light bulb that had never went off for me until I started seeing what the, the people I was reaching out to, what they actually wanted from me. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think's the future of video? Like, are we still not even crossing the chasm yet? Are we, are we still in early adopter phase or are we uh, going a little bit past that at this point? Um, what, and, and when, you know, or are we mainstream? Maybe you think we're mainstream. I don't know. No, it's, it's, it's mainstream. It's just that there's not enough people using it, but we are passing this very quickly. I mean, virtual reality and augmented reality. I mean, that's going to be the next steps of, of what's coming down the, uh, the pipeline or, or crossing that chasm, if you will. Um, but using video today is still the most effective medium. Although I was listening to a podcast and um, I don't know, I, you gentlemen probably know Todd Capone. And Todd was yep. making a, a great argument as to why you should never send a video. And he was right. The way he laid out his argument was, wow, I never want to send a video again. But what he was saying was, I'll get 150 emails a day and I can bang through them in about an hour. But then I'll have 23 minute video messages. Yeah, That's 60 minutes of my time. Those are never going to get watched. And he's right because it's a three minute video, right? So how do you make that video as efficient? How do you get that video down to 27 seconds and even put in the subject line, personalized video, this is a 27 second video, you know, or let me explain my point really quickly with this quick notation to what's in the text below. Right. Scott, how often do you get, how often do you get prospected by video, Scott? I don't get any. I mean, I get, I get a decent amount. Um, and to, to Todd's point, like I don't get beyond 30 seconds in, in, I was going to say, do you even look at any of them, Scott? Uh, I didn't, but I, I've made a shift shift um in the last year and a half or so and and some of them have been quite good um whether they're you know full-blown prospecting messages or like relationship building introduction messages or thank you messages and things like this um so i've started listening to them and 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 watching them but i can't get beyond about 30 seconds unless i unless i really already know somebody and i can kind of look ahead and see okay there's like 10 seconds left which i do all the time so if anything is like a minute to three minutes i'm not watching it and and my problem with with video and i think what todd was maybe getting at is like it's not scalable like i responded to 234 linkedin dms last week i I cranked that out in in a couple hours if i tried to send 234 video messages i i don't i don't think i could i i i really don't know how i could have recorded all those made sure I didn't flub it up, got him under 30 seconds. I don't, I don't know. It just seems way harder to me. So that, that scalability piece um, feels challenging depending, you know, and if you're in a, an environment of selling that demands high volume, I'm not sure how to solve for that yet. Okay. I have a couple, couple hacks for you. Yeah. So one, if you're applying to 250 messages, it's faster for me to click a loom or vidyard or bomb bomb icon and just copy paste the link and drop it in and I'm done. It's faster for me than it is to type it. 
right? I still I still hunt and peck with my typing. I'm not a great. Uh, that's that's a big problem. There's your big. Pro that's your problem. Well, okay. So, but let's even take let's even take that problem, Richard. So let's let's say I'm committing 30 seconds to a reply, right? In 30 seconds, I am going to whatever I'm trying to relate to you. I'm going to make sure is way more engaging than anything I can write, right? So that's the first thing. But in terms of a hack, here's the great hack, Scott. And I did this as a demo actually for, for a course I was teaching. Um, I went through Sales Navigator and I pulled out 168 mics. The name was Mike, right? They were all in the same industry. And what I did was I took a video and I said, hey, Mike, I had a thing, uh, you know, and I mentioned Mike, Mike, Mike three, four times. I sent out 168. I had 30 replies and I got about eight or nine bookings off of that. So I did. You, so hacked, again, it Scott. you hacked it based on based on the name yeah right he, he acted based on the name which, which i understand but but that's like okay my counter argument is nick's like being proactive there whereas i'm being reactive because i have 234 inbounds with probably 200 different names and and specifics in the message so i don't know i didn't know how and maybe there's still a way but i don't know how at least yet to scale that volume over video that's my challenge. Well, listen, it depends what it depends what you do, Scott. If you're replying to 250 people, if I'm replying to 250 people, I'd send 247 text based and three videos. I mean, there still has to be a reason for me to send a video, right? Yeah, okay, Whether that's, it's even that's fair. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it so it's not a universal, it's 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 again, it's a tool, it's right place, right time, right? So, you know, how how I use it depends on who I'm talking to and what message I'm trying to relay, right? Yeah. So, um, but the, the point, the point is, is again, it, it comes down to engagement. Uh, although here's something that's really interesting because one thing, the, the side effect of sitting in on like hundreds of demos the last six months was that I would be sitting in on a demo where someone is selling a high ticket product and they're in their bedroom, which is okay. I mean, it is what it is. And the bed's not made, right? Simple little things. So one thing I do is that the videos I post on LinkedIn when people then have a meeting with me, they come into the same environment. The background's the same. The coloring of what I'm wearing is typically the same. The lighting's the same. So what happens is, is that you know, a lot of people will see me, and this is more from a marketing or brand development point of view, but they'll see that, right? And then that'll translate. So when they walk in, like one out of five people will be like, oh, holy smokes, it's you. Yeah. Wow, it's the same, right? So, I mean, how, how, how deep now have I gotten into their psyche that I'm, I'm trustworthy super, and I'm- Super deep. Super yeah. deep, I think, because I, I think when when people start meeting up and I, and I know sometime soon uh, you have plans to go to, you know, some conferences and, and things like that and some speaking engagements and that, I think people are going to walk into the room that you're in and be like, oh, you know, there's going to be like a, a starstruck kind of factor. Like I've been watching this guy on TV, TV being video, TV being Zoom, TV being LinkedIn platforms, and, and they're going to they're going to feel like they know you even though they've never yes. met you before. And I think that that's very, very powerful. Um, and, and will that happen more powerfully than over just written form? I think the answer is yes, over somebody who just does written content. Yeah, there's, there's no question, right? And that's one of the things I always teach people too, and this is interesting, is I always teach people, don't write it to be read, write it to be spoken. That's, that's where you start to get really engaging content is talk out what you want to say and then how does that look open up a word document click dictate talk into it whatever it is, whatever you want to relay 
And that's going to be a much more effective way of getting them to, to focus in on what you're saying. Because a lot of people, what they do is they just yeah. take exactly a script. Yeah. Go ahead. One, one of the ways that you know that you've, um, you're on the right track with some of the content that you're writing is if you ever get a compliment that says, wow, Nick, I read this thing and like I could hear you in my head. Like I could hear you saying all these things. Like then I feel like you've, you've nailed your voice and, and the way that you are creating some written content. Absolutely. And you know, the simplest thing is, and this is, I tell people the basics, get a good webcam. I have an amazing, incredible webcam. It's $30. I sent back six before I, I finalized on that one and get good lighting. You know, I'm, I'm in a little office co-working space right now, but typically I'll have just two $35 soft boxes off my camera and I'll turn those on for the videos. And it, it looks like you're on a soundstage, right? And I'm just on a, I'm on a white wall. It's a plain white wall with $70 worth of lighting and a $30 webcam. So for $100, you create the theater that you are, you know, really, you know, in television or, or whatever it is, right? Right. Yeah, you, I remember we, we talked about Scott that those white lights, because sometimes he comes across too dark. Oh yeah, I, I, I am a failure at, at all of this stuff. Actually, Nick Nick was uh, on my Patreon group and we were talking about uh, all this kind of stuff. And he actually um, gave everybody like the product list. It's like, here's the webcam, here's the, the lights, uh, here's the microphone. He gave everybody his whole setup. And I was thinking, well, this is gonna be, you know, thousand dollars or more type of thing. And it was, it was really, really cheap, super, super affordable. And now I'm remembering, I bought a couple of those things a couple of weeks ago and they haven't showed up yet. So now I gotta go, I gotta go figure out where in Amazon's delivery system these things are. I forgot I even got them. That's funny, that's funny, that's funny. I bet you have yeah, them in there just in the garage or something or, or Janet saw them and no. said, who ordered this? No, 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 no. Things, things here are getting lost all over the place these, these days, you know? Yeah. But it's just lighting. And then another mistake people make all the time is that they insist on using a green screen while it looks candid or whatever. Green screen is, is one of the, unless there's an absolute intent to what you're doing with that green screen, lighting it, it's distracting. There's, there's no value. You are better off against a white wall. I have turned so many people onto just having a couple lights in front of a white wall. Um, actually, I went to someone's house who lives in Phoenix yesterday. Tom Slocum, who's a regular at Thursday Night Sales. Oh yeah, I know Tom. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'll give Tom a, a pub here, but I I drove out to his house in the Phoenix area and I help him set up his lighting. That he bought all the kit, uh, everything that I suggested, and I just went over and helped him set it all up. And and his videos look like a 180. They in the, one of the groups communities we're in today. He's like, look, that came by. Look how everything changed, and it really it, it elevated it. Right. It went from a guy sitting at his office webcam in his home which also is the kids playroom to now looking like tom is in a studio but it's, it's funny because when all this stuff before covid hit right and scott and i were doing this last january february and early march i was literally and i'm not kidding you in the garage right and yeah. at that point i had to use the i had to use the green screen and then at one point i'm like fuck this i'm in the garage like this is just how i live people thought it was funny and i think some people tried to judge me on it and then you know april came and i'm like yeah haha motherfucker like you know cut it out like you know <laughs> so uh this, this is fascinating i want to i want to dive into a little bit more around sales right and 
I love what you talked about coaching salespeople from different cultures and backgrounds. What are some of the common objections you've heard from people from different cultures that you know are, are, yes, it's right in their mind, but it's really the same problem. And it really isn't as much of a problem as people think it is. If I, if that makes sense, I can ask it again, if you need me to. I, I think it kind of makes sense. So, so I, I'll paint a bit of a picture. So what was interesting was, and, and this is where I, I really felt that I didn't have the B2B experience. I was so B2C because so much of what I did was rapport building, right? As they were coming up the gangway, hey, where are you visiting from? And what I would, what I had to do was get, you know, someone who worked for me from Belgrade to interact with Diane from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. How does that look? How do I get them to create the interaction? So rapport building and, and whether it was food or whatever you were into, but just something to get them to connect. And when I came into um, the B2B world and I sat in my first demo and they're like, okay, everyone's here. Great. Let's go right to the agenda. The lack of rapport building caught me off guard. Now in the time since I found a happy medium of where I really think there's opportunities for that. But, you know, going back to the, to the initial essence of the question, because we were selling to such an international audience, how I sold to a Canadian was, even though we're, we're close cousins to Americans, it was so different. It was a very different kind of sales process and a different type of objection, right? America, in America, we, we like big, beautiful jewelry, right? That was one of the main things we sold. In Canada, we we're much more humble about what we wore and it was, it was seen as something you know, a little bit different. But that's with cousins. Then I got someone from the UK who they would, they'd be interested in jewelry, but they only wanted something branded, right? It had to be a branded type of diamond. Or I'd get people from Asia, right? How do you sell to someone from Korea versus someone from China versus someone from Japan, right? A lot of people would just kind of throw a region into a bucket. Argentinians, I'm going to sell them the same as, as Brazilians. So, you know, just understanding culture and understanding people. And this was where my international crew was so helpful to me over the years was getting to understand them and why different cultures had different objections, right? Why, why some people, how you had to verbalize it certain ways, but just don't say that one word. If you say that one word, you've lost the sale. Whereas that might be a closing word for different culture. Did I answer where you were, where you were going there, Richard? Yeah, no, I think, I think that's great. And I love, I love that. In fact, I'm sitting here going, Oh, you should write that or do a video on that post. Like, you know, in a, in a way that's, uh, appropriate to not call out different cultures, right? There's a, there's a fine line. I'm thinking, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking Nick at some point is going to got to move to global sales because yeah. he's got experience already. Yep. Selling to people from other cultures that, you know, is really rare. Most people don't even get that opportunity in, in their B2B career. Did you ever sell internationally, Richard, before you were working for a little bit, not a ton, but I, I probably just went down the aggressive American, look, this is how we do it. You're going to do it this way. And if you, you know, that's the way it is. And if you don't do it, yeah, you probably be better run into this. Yeah. Okay. But here's yeah. something interesting. And I, this was one of the first kind of videos that got traction for me is we sell them to 20, 25 major U.S. cities, right? Basically. What do you know about those cities? What do you know about Denver? What yeah. do you know about Seattle? What do you know yeah. about, about, you know, and this won't work for New York. Right. So we'll just we'll take New York City out of it. But the rest of the country, if you can get just a little bit regional. Right. So, you know, if I Google Austin, Texas right now, if they had snow today, well, it's maybe a bad example of what happened a couple months ago. Well, let's say there's a couple inches of snow on the ground and I'm talking to Scott. I'll say, hey, Scott, 
wow, you had a little bit of snow yesterday. That's fun. Did the kids go out and, and make snow angels or something? Again, just to get that conversation going, right? Right. Yeah, I can do that. Like if we talk South, like I grew up in Macon, Georgia, so I can talk SEC football all the time, right? Like I know. Well, okay. And everything I learned as a Canadian about American geography came from SEC football. Thank you very much. Um, but how, when I was on a cruise ship out of New Orleans, where the guests were from Georgia, Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, it was a very different presentation than when I would dock out of Bayonne, New Jersey, and I had everyone from the tri-state area, right? So just understanding those regionalities, I would present, it was a 180. It was so different how I would present based off where the majority of my guests would come from. And that was one of the things I would wait for. I would get a, 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 an email every week, which would have a, a, a nation and state breakdown. So if for some reason I had a tour coming on, there was a lot of people from Macon, Georgia, where my typical audience was Boston, I would tier it and I would structure the conversation and the presentation to be for the people from Macon, Georgia, right? Yeah. Good luck with that. By the way, the greatest, the greatest hockey team name ever. Yes. The Macon Whoopi. He knows it. He knows it. Scott, did you even know that? No, I'm, I'm sitting here going, is that real? That's yes. really a, a league hockey yes. team? Wow. Wow. You're the first person ever to know that. They, um, they were around when I was a, a kid in the seventies and, uh, and you know, it was farm system, whatever. I don't even know who it was. And they yeah. came back, I want to say in the 90s or early 2000s. And I was all excited because I was like, oh, I want to go get some gear. And the gear was terrible, right? Oh, At that, so I think they were for the Maple Leafs the last time they came around. Yeah, I, I don't think know so. if they're still there or not, but it was that is always the funniest things. Yeah. So just for context, a whoopee is a type of leaf, but it was because it's making Georgia making whoopee, right? Right. But here's the thing, Richard, you just proved my point about rapport building. If you walked up the gangplank on a cruise ship and you say you're from Macon and I say, oh, home of the Macon, whoopee, do you and I have a different conversation the next seven yeah, years? I'm sold. I'll buy yeah. anything yeah. Nick wants to That's tell right. me. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you own him now. He, he's yours. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got to, unfortunately, we got to wrap this up. Nick, I'm so glad to have met you finally. Um, so it's, it's a real pleasure. Pleasure's mine, yeah. I assure you. So, and a quick shout out to Lead 411, Salesforce Revenue Cloud, and Gong.io for supporting us. Please support them. And if you don't know Nick and you haven't followed him on LinkedIn and doing his videos, by all means, you should because he, he one, he puts out great content, but I think it'll give you great context for how to do good video, uh, which I think is really important. And um, ironically, the episode right before this, um, was, was from uh, Michael Litt of the CEO and founder, co-founder of Vidyard. So it's kind of ironic. We had two video stories back to back today. So two Canadian guys talking video. I love it. That's true. Wow. I didn't even think of that. Wow. That's right. So anyway, thank you so much, Nick, man. It's been fun. Uh, Nick Capozzi people. So uh, be sure to check him out on LinkedIn. And I know he'd love to connect with you. hundred percent. Thanks, buddy. Good to see you, Nick.